We really made an effort to showcase our community and our employees and our store teams and our associates, our social team. We've implemented that all within our social strategy. And I think that's, that's really paid off for us. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. All right, everyone, I have a really fun episode of the show for you today, and I'm really excited to share it with all of you. Full disclosure, I have been a fan of Paxson since I was a preteen as a consumer and now as someone who is studying retail, reporting on retail, and chatting with retail executives. I really do think it's such a fun brand and they're doing such a great job on social media. So um, geeking out a little bit that I got to speak with Tyler McDonald, Senior Manager of Influencers and Social Media for The Retailer. He's helped build a heck of a strategy for PacSun. They are doing a lot of experimenting with not just social media, new platforms like TikTok, um, of course, Instagram being a core part of their strategy, but also influence and even like the metaverse and virtual influencers. It's just such a fast evolving space. And it's pretty clear that Paxson is embracing this notion of experimentation and creativity across all of these platforms. So today with Tyler, we are going to get deep into all things social media marketing, TikTok, influencer strategy, and what really drives him, not just as a manager and the creator of the strategy, but also as a creator as well. So even if you just want to know what's happening in social media, what the best practices are, this is the perfect episode for you. Tyler, thanks so much for being on the show. It is great to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I I have to say, I was looking through our archive, and we have yet to have a true social media professional on the show. So we've had a few like high-level experts, but someone who's doing the work every day. So very excited to have you. So let's start with your background, because it is all about social. So we have the right guy. We have the right guy on the show today. I have to ask, how did you kind of get your start in social media marketing and doing work for brands specifically? Because I'm sure there's some nuance there. I think it's an interesting path that I took, to be honest with you. When I started in college, I went to a small liberal arts school in North Carolina, and I was studying strategic communication and marketing. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do within that space. I knew I wanted to do something along the lines of brand marketing and PR, but I didn't really know what what that path entailed. And actually something that's funny from my memories, I remember one of my teachers telling me, like, never have a career in social media. It's not sustainable. You don't know where it's going to be in five years. Facebook was very new. Instagram, I think, started my junior year of college. And so I never really even had social media as my end goal in my career. And so when I graduated, I moved to New York and I started doing a lot of PR internships. And at that point, a lot of interns were doing social media for brands. They were setting up Facebook pages, et cetera. So I was doing a lot of that work, but it was, again, really nothing that I envisioned to be my end goal. And after a year of internships in New York, I had moved to California 
because I knew I always wanted to be in LA and I, I just kind of wanted to settle there. I felt like I was losing time in New York. And little did I know that's kind of where my career started. I took a job at Urban Outfitters on Melrose. It was in West Hollywood. And I remember I took it originally just to make friends. And that kind of started everything for me. I was doing seasonal work. And then eventually I worked my way up to become a visual merchandiser for the store. And we were doing a lot of cool things within that space. And I just felt the need to capture it. So I was posting a lot of the content, a lot of the display photos on my own page. I was submitting it to Urban Outfitters headquarters on their Instagram. And I started to see a lot of traction within that. I mean, the president of the company at the time, I remember, was commenting on some of the photos like, this is amazing. And I just remember thinking, okay, this is an avenue that a lot of people are looking at. And it's definitely a place that is blowing up and it is here to stay. It's not going to be gone in five years. And so I got in touch with their home office and I was covering a lot of events for them at the time because Instagram stories and Snapchat started to be new. And it was so new where they didn't really feel the need to fly people out to LA because they're based in Philadelphia. And so I was helping cover events there. And then eventually they offered me a job to work full time for them to develop a brand voice on Snapchat and Instagram stories in a way that was a lot less polished than I think what currently existed in that space, which was a lot more commercial and editorial. And so I think my time there was really focused on developing a voice for the brand in a raw and organic way on social media. And I learned a lot there. And that was really great. They were located in Philadelphia. Like I said, I was there for about two years. And then I kind of just wanted to head back to LA. And I saw a great opportunity at PacSun and was first social media manager. And I kind of took it with open arms. And three years later, here I am now. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear the evolution. I mean, obviously, I think our timelines are relatively similar from a college perspective, because social media was still such a new discipline in context of like broader marketing and PR conversations. But I wonder what your professor would say about influencers. But uh, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I, I always want to go back and have that conversation now. I want to be like, very interesting how it came about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I have to ask because, you know, you spent a good amount of time at Urban Outfitters. You helped really develop the voice and the presence for the brand in context of social media being social media being more corporate to more raw and stripped down. And then you moved to PacSun, probably a, a bit of similarities in terms of audience, but very different vibes, in my opinion. So you've been at PacSun for a while now. So I'm curious, what has resonated with you about the brand and the work that you're doing, especially because you probably have to have such an intimate connection with the brand in order to be good at your job? No, absolutely. I think what's resonated with me most about working at PacSun is just how as a brand we continue to excite and interact ourselves into youth culture. And there's just a strong willingness to try new things. We were, I think, one of the first amongst our competitors to really explore the metaverse space through Roblox gaming. Like we have our own Roblox game. We have our own game that we actually built that's available in the app store. We have monthly NFT drops. And even our recent partnership with virtual influencer Michaela, I think it's just a strong example of how we really go all in in our marketing. Last spring, actually, we turned Emma Chamberlain into an avatar in our spring campaign. And I think that was just like 
super exciting and just really out there. And I think no matter what, we really make an effort to meet our consumer in spaces where they're naturally activating and explore alongside them in a raw and organic way. Like we're building games within Roblox, we're doing weekly live streams, and then Sometimes even more importantly, we're putting out statements around social causes that are important to Gen Z. And in return, they're important to us as a brand. So I have to say that point around the virtual influencers and like how, I guess, the brand experience is transforming so rapidly and like brands just like need to be able to test things. So quick follow-up question, I guess, for you there, Tyler, do you, how would you describe the culture of PacSun as far as having the creative freedom and I guess the power to test all these different things because there are so many different apps like Be Real is like the new thing. So how much um, credence do you have to bring new ideas to the broader team, to leadership, to kind of test all of these different things? Yeah, I think kind of similar to my previous answer, I just, I love working at PacSun because there's a strong willingness to like learn. We're very transparent about what we are always doing might not be correct or it might not be successful, but that's okay because these channels are so new and they're so exciting. And I think our audience, our Gen Z audience is figuring them out just as we are. And I think it's important to be activating and learning at the same time as they are so we can remain ahead. I think a lot of brands take a step back, especially with a platform like Be Real, and they're like, is this going to be around in a few years? Or is this worth our investment? Or how can we do this in a way that is going to make us money. And I think for us, it's just important that we're present alongside with our consumer. And we are there in an organic way. We're not always trying to push product in front of their faces. I think it's just we want to be activating with them in an organic way that that feels natural and that, you know, is making a strong connection. So for us, at least an organic perspective, I think paid media might be, you know, a different story. But I think there's really no harm in trying because you're just learning and you're figuring it out just as the consumer is. So I think it's very exciting, you know, with platforms like Be Real. And I think even Clubhouse was around for a little bit, you know, and we were trying to figure out what what that meant for us. But I think it's less about how long the platform is going to be around and if it's going to make us money and more about just making that natural connection with our consumer. Yeah, that point around learning alongside the consumer, I feel like it is really impactful because when we talk about marketing today, especially, you know, marketing to Gen Z or building communities with Gen Z, right? Authenticity is such a big part of it. I I actually heard someone say recently, like, authenticity has kind of become its own buzzword, but like, it's still really critical. So it's like, how do you balance that? But this idea of learning alongside the consumer and, and just being present and a part of the conversation in an authentic way, is that something that consumers have come to love and almost expect of PacSun? Or is there anything there in terms of their consumer expectations that you always try to tap into? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I think especially when it comes to a platform like TikTok, I think that was a big eye opener for us, you know, because there really was no structure or method to success. And I think everyone was trying to figure out how to go viral, including a lot of influencers on Instagram, to be honest, who are used to getting 
100,000 likes and going viral on that channel, they pivot over to TikTok and, and they're getting no traction. And so I think that there's a big like wake up call and like, wait, how do we navigate this new platform? And for us, it was just trying to learn learn alongside with them. We were posting things that were getting 3,000 views and we were posting things that were getting 3 million views. And I think the exploration of it all was what is most exciting. And I think it's brought us to where we are today, where we kind of do know what our audience wants from us now. And there is a little bit of a method to it. And so I think that's great. In terms of what customers expect and they love from PacSun, I think just in general, there's been a macro shift across social media and within the influencer space. Five years ago, I think a perfectly curated photo of donuts for National Donut Day, for example, or a perfectly laid down flat that was accessorized and color coordinated. It was almost guaranteed to go viral. And I think now audiences are craving something that feels a lot less polished. And so I think what you'll see from us in the future and even the last few months, what you've seen from us is a little let less polished approach, especially on Snapchat and TikTok and and the platforms that kind of demand authenticity. We're really giving an unedited look at the brand. And I think that's what's paying off for us. I love that. So to the end, what I find really interesting about brands on social media is there's almost a desire to create, I don't know if it's a voice or like I've heard the term brand persona being used. I think it kind of connects back to like when DKNY PR girl was a thing, like <laughs> on Twitter. Do you remember that? Yes, like yes. there was one person and she was the voice and she was like the person, but she also was a representation of a brand, right? Like, is that how, how you and PacSun kind of think about like your social media presence? Like, or is it more of just like a vibe that you try to have consistent across all your platforms? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, there's been conversations like, do we need a mascot? Like I think Duolingo does it amazing on TikTok, but that's just also not who PacSun is. So I think it's a mix of a vibe, but also just showing who PacSun is behind the curtain in a sense. So we're making an effort. I think when we first started TikTok, just to take a step back, we were really focused on showcasing our influencers. And reusing that content of what they're making, whether it's try-on hauls or them doing a day in the life, which I think there is an exciting aspect to that. But I think we quickly learned that people wanted authenticity and they wanted to see who is behind the social accounts, who is behind the store teams, who's working in the stores every day, who's like the most real at the brand versus just putting out influencers with high followings. And so we really made an effort to showcase our community and our employees and our store teams and our associates, our social team. We've implemented implemented that all within our social strategy. And I think that's that's really paid off for us. I think when we look at content as a whole, though, we do kind of break it down into specific buckets. And then we make sure any content that we're putting out kind of falls within those four buckets. And that is, I think, a hint of nostalgia is what we always try to hit. I mean, we've been around since the 80s, and I think we've had a lot of successes and learnings and overall some really big changes. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge those. I think the second bucket we look at would be humor. Like we always want to make sure we're able to laugh at ourselves when it's appropriate and also just laugh alongside the consumer when things are relevant. I think the third bucket would be trend focused, whether it's 
within fashion or just trends on social media, specifically within TikTok. We're quickly recognizing trends. We're putting our own spin on them. And then sometimes, to be honest with you, we're uploading them the very same day or the day after. I think having that permission from our exec team and that trust is is super important in how we're able to stay relevant on those channels. And then lastly, we always want to just have like a raw and organic approach. So kind of similarly to what I said earlier, we just want to show our store teams. We want to show our social teams. We are showing stores sometimes that are not perfectly polished as well, because that is actually what the consumer is seeing. They're walking into some of our stores and sometimes they are, you know, a little bit messy, but that's real. And I think that last part, that raw and organic part is really what is most important to us, especially within TikTok and Snapchat. And we always want to just make sure that our content feels real. I think your transparency around that messiness point is really worth acknowledging. I always I always think of that meme of like social media versus reality. Like, yeah, I mean, our head of stores was like, wait, should we be showing this? And I, there was some hesitancy. But I mean, that's what people are craving. I think a less polished approach and, and just being real about who we are as a brand is what is going to continue our success, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's awesome that you are kind of the encourager of those probably tough conversations, especially like if there's a risk of like someone possibly being feeling like, you know, they're going to look bad or or something along those lines. But I do want to dig into TikTok specifically, because obviously it's a very hot topic for our audience. You know, people want to understand like what's working and why. And PacSun, you're officially past 2 million followers on TikTok. And like, you've only been on the platform for about two years now. Is that right? Yeah, a little over two years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you have those pillars that you shared, which I really appreciate. And I'm sure our listeners do too. But how do you balance like those core pillars that are, are central to the overarching strategy with what makes TikTok very unique and why, you know, Gen Z in particular loves to spend so much time there, like that creative angle and like the music and the silliness, like how do you kind of strike all of those balances in order to maximize those results? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think we are just so hyper-focused on youth culture and Gen Z that I think what whatever the key values and capabilities of TikTok are, are then in return, like the key values of PacSun, right? Because we want to make sure that we are as authentic to the Gen Z brand as possible. And so I think if it's being super raw, being super open, hopping on some silly trends, like that is ultimately what PacSun is all about. So I think as a brand, you really kind of have to take a step back, especially if you want to be successful on an app like TikTok or Snapchat. And you have to be a little bit not like less concerned about your image, but a little bit more open to have fun to have a little bit more of a quirky brand voice. I think Gen Z knows when you're trying to sell them something versus when you're just trying to activate alongside them. And so I think there's a fine line that you have to walk. And so I think we've done a good job at, you know, staying on top of those trends and working with people who are up and coming on that channel, but who also are a natural fit to the brand. So it doesn't feel like we're selling sponsorships per se. We're just highlighting people within our community that already believe in the brand and are already fans of the brand and kind of want to express that love alongside with us. That's great. And so I'm glad you brought up influencers because obviously that's a very big part of your role. So do you think that, you know, your influencer strategy 
is directed in a specific direction, meaning, you know, focusing on a specific platform over another and also macro versus micro influencers like how are how are you navigating all of that because I feel like it's getting more and more complex as the market grows so how would you kind of define your influencer strategy today yeah no absolutely I think our influencer strategy to be honest with you it's ever changing <laughs> like today I think we're honestly relooking at what it means to be an influencer as well I think Years ago, that meant having 500,000 followers or a million followers on your social channels. And today, I think it's a little different. I think anyone can be an influencer. And that's kind of what TikTok has taught us. Sometimes the strongest and most believable influencer is someone with 5,000 followers or 500 followers. And it's our community and it's our employees. It's our audience that really help move the needle. And like I said, I think that's due to the rise of TikTok. We're searching our For You page for normal, everyday people to tell us about new products and why they love them or what happened to them at this event and why we shouldn't go there or why they love this brand. And I think the power of the influencer and what it means to be one is so different now. And I think I think that's exciting. I think the next step in general for us and hopefully for a lot of brands is just figuring out how to further involve your community and the people who really love and support your brand, regardless of their social following, because I think there's just a large level of trust within anyone now. No, that's great. So I'm glad you kind of brought up the definition of influencer changing or evolving a little bit, because I know you recently covered some research around trust among consumers when they receive promotions or recommendations from influencers. And I could imagine it gets a little hairy or complex for folks like yourself that, you know, your job is to not just find new influencers, but manage all of those relationships. I want to ask you, I mean, have you noticed a shift at all in consumer trust reception of certain influencers? Or do you find that it it kind of varies depending on the person themselves? I think so a little bit. I think Gen Z is very smart in terms of knowing when you are selling them something. And in terms of when an influencer is getting a paycheck to make an Instagram post. And so I think that is also to me why it's so important to really focus on your community and your micro influencers and your store teams and your your HQ associates. I think those are the people who are naturally loving the brand and that's why they're working there. That's why they're working with the brand. And then I think when it comes to macro influencers, you just really need to make sure that they're a genuine fan of the brand and that that your audience is already deeply connected with them. So then it's just a natural it's like a natural approach to like working together. I think in general, like if there's an influencer who is doing a million sponsored posts every other day, like I think that's a little bit more difficult. I think that you have to look for the people who are a little bit more particular about who they're partnering with. So it feels a little bit more special. And again, the person just has to love the brand. Otherwise, people are going to be able to see right through it. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting too. I mean, I've spoken with a few creators recently and I've heard some of them even saying like, hey, I'm I'm pulling back on some of my partnerships either because of just 
bandwidth issues or just, you know, mental capacity and creative capacity, right? Like, especially with all these different platforms and quote unquote best practices for creating content for them. Like, it's a lot of time. I created an Instagram story and it took me like three hours. (laughs) People would be surprised. We were in the office the other day and I was training some of our team to shoot a flat, like just a flat lay of product. And it took us probably like a half hour. And I remember someone looking at us and being like, there's so much that goes into this. And I'm like, yes, there, there is a method to the madness, believe it or not. But also the goal is to make it look like there's not. So right. that's Fine the line. tricky part. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's great. So, I mean, obviously you have a lot of experience, not just seeing what other creators are out there, tapping into your associates, which I'm so glad you keep bringing up the associates as possible and and more engaged influencers, right? Because they represent your brand. Is there anything you want to share or can share just around like how you kind of manage all of this, right? Because like with each influencer, there are content goals. Like, I don't know if you share requirements or, or how that works, but it's still a relationship, right? And depending on the size of your influencer, group. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there, of course, always are some requirements, but I think what hopefully separates us from some other brands is we just have a lot of trust in our influencers. If we're working with an influencer, we're working with them for a reason. And it's because we love what they do and we love the content that they create. And so we don't want to control that. We want to just like work with them to help amplify our message, but in a way that feels most authentic and real for them. And so I think there's just a fine line again between selling product and also just like showcasing things that, you know, you're genuinely excited about. And so we've just, we have a little bit of a hands-off approach with our influencers because there is so much trust with them. And then with our store associates, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, we've set up a program where we work with our store associates on a monthly basis and we kind of provide them an overall halo of like inspo in terms of like, this month, like we really want to talk about denim or we want to talk about new arrivals. And then we kind of just give them the go in terms of like how they want to showcase that. And it's been a really rewarding program because we've been able to see just a wide range of content come in and and the excitement level around that has been so rewarding. And so I think there's definitely, again, we're learning kind of every day in terms of what works. But yeah, I mean, I think just having trust in your creators is is definitely the first and and major goal to have. Yeah, that's great. And I think a lot of brands are are kind of learning that some of them learning it the hard way, either because their influencers are just like not engaged, or like I've seen my fair share of like, people who just like copy and paste and you see like the directions in the post. (laughs) Yeah, where it's like caption dot dot, and then the caption. Yeah. And like, put opinion here. I'm like, Oh, no, yes, yes. No, 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 no. We just give hashtags, to be honest with you. And then obviously, we'll want to approve the product ahead of time. But it's a very fairly easy approval process. Because if we're working with you, we we love what you do. That's amazing. I, I think creating this environment of trust and creative freedom. I mean, I think that's really important. And it seems like that creativity and that eagerness to test, learn, and then, you know, improve over time is really central to a lot of the work you're doing. So I have to ask, I mean, you know, you've been in this role for a while now. Have there been any proud moments or wins that you consider kind of like the gold star of your experience with PacSun thus far? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. So that's really hard to answer. I think hitting 2 million on TikTok is definitely one of my proudest moments. I remember 
a little over two years ago, sitting down with our president and being like, this is going to be really hard, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we will do it. And I think keeping the team hyper-focused on trends and making sure we're working with the right people really helped lead to that success. But I think also, to be honest with you, one of my proudest moments is the team that I've that I've built at Paxson. I, I started with one associate when I started who was on the social team and she was kind of doing everything. And I really worked with the executive team to really build up this team. And we have a team of five now on the social team, which I think is is pretty big compared to most brands. And we are stretched across TikTok, on Snapchat, on Discord, on YouTube. We we kind of are touching every point. And our influencer team, they're amazing. They're so strong and they're really ahead of the curve. And I think just being able to build that team up and and see what they've been able to accomplish. I mean, I, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. And so that's definitely a really proud moment of mine. And I, I'm excited to continue to build that team, especially as new platforms come to life and and just new experiences kind of hit us. So I think really exciting to see and definitely one of my proudest moments. Amazing. And then have there been any big learnings for you? I mean, obviously scaling TikTok, building out all these influencer relationships, exploring new channels. Have there been any notable like ahas for you that have kind of shaped your day to day, how you approach your job? Yeah, it sounds cliche. And I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I've really been just noticing that the more that you can be real and not to quote the new social channel, be real, but (laughs) the more that you can be real on social, the more successful you're going to be. And I think that's been a really huge unlock for us because like I said, I think on TikTok, we really started with a little bit more of a polished approach. It was try on hauls. It was perfectly curated videos. And then we were editing like outside of the app and trying to make it feel like super high def. And I think we quickly learned like, leaning into these channels and working with what they have to offer versus these external programs is really what's going to pay off and really looking at what your audience is doing and how they're activating and then trying to not really mimic that, but just put your own spin on it and try to be the most authentic to not only the audience, but to the platform itself is really what's going to pay off. And so we've really focused on really trying to stay on that path. And I think it's really been rewarding for us, but I think we also have some work to do and I'm really excited for the next year and even year after that in terms of what we have in store. Awesome. And then quick follow-up, I guess maybe adjacent question to that. I mean, I'm not sure if this is the case, but I'm thinking some people listening right now, you know, whether they're in marketing or social media specifically, you know, driving the team, I could imagine that some leadership teams are still hesitant to give up the creative reins, so to speak, of the brand when it comes to social media. Do you have any like closing words of advice, recommendations for the pros listening now that want to do all this, like want to implement this approach to testing and, you know, being more creative, pushing limits, but either feel inhibited or are are prevented from pushing those limits? Like, have you had to navigate that? Or do you have any recommendations to kind of help them drive the conversations and be more productive there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it is really difficult, to be honest, at a lot of brands. And I have a, a lot of friends at various brands where they do feel a little bit prohibited. And that is 
where I kind of do feel really blessed at Paxson because our president, I work very closely with her and our, our CEO and our exec team. They, there is a lot of trust within us, but I do think it did take a little bit to get there too. I think it's a lot of competitive analysis that we've had to do and showing how how other brands are activating and doing it right and kind of what they're getting from that in terms of views and likes and impressions and how it's been rewarding for them and really sitting down and having a a real conversation in terms of what are the goals on this channel and how we can meet those goals in a real way. And so I think if it's like follower growth or it's wanting to increase views, I think then it's a matter of like looking at who's doing that the right way and and trying to mimic that strategy. And so it is a little bit scary. I think I think a lot of executive teams, especially when it comes to TikTok, are like, what the heck is this trend? Like what are you posting? Or like, what is this like audio? I don't understand it. But I think, you know, gaining that trust, baby steps, starting small and then showing those successes and then trying to continue that. And again, just gain the trust is is kind of how you're going to win big. Awesome. So Tyler, you, you may note of some of the work and, and priorities for you moving forward, but is there anything that you're looking into working on that you are most excited about that you can share with us? I think I can't share too much, but I'm very excited for how our influencer strategy is continuing to grow and also expand and change. I think community gifting, community involvement, even working more closely with our store teams, it's it's really going to be an exciting next year or two with involving our community and, and really making sure that they're kind of the face of our brand and they are our influencers. So I'm, I'm really excited about what's to come for sure. You'll just have to kind of stay tuned. There you go. So if you're not following Pax on yet, maybe you should. (laughs) Tyler, this has been such a pleasure. I always love hearing straight from the folks who are doing the work every day, who are shaping the strategy. And and you really shared a lot of thoughtful insights and I think lessons with our audience. So thank you again so much for taking the time out to speak with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I really appreciate it. And to all of you, hope you got some valuable tidbits listening to this conversation with Tyler. If you have any follow-up, questions or key takeaways you want to share with us or simply want to chat with uh, fellow social media executives and experts, we'll be sure to tag Tyler in our social posts on uh, Twitter and on LinkedIn. That way there's a direct line of communication there and we can keep the conversation going. And if you have any feedback for us on this or any other episode of Retail Remix, we would love to hear from you. Just go to your preferred podcast player. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else. We are likely there. Give us your feedback. We want to hear what you liked, what you didn't like, how we can improve so we can make this a valuable series for all of you. And most of all, subscribe if you haven't already. Be sure to get the latest and greatest conversations delivered right to your device. That's it for us, everyone. Thanks again so much to you, Tyler, and thanks to all of you for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.